Hello, I'm Andrew Scrivani. And I'm Chef John. Welcome to the Chef John Podcast. So we're back here on the Chef John podcast. John, do you smell that? Oh, yeah. What do you got cooking? Uh, I mean, it's, it's pumpkin spice and apple pie. It's Thanksgiving, John. Now, are you cooking or are those candles? Uh, no, those are, the, those are the candles. I got them at the Yankee <laughs> Candle Company this week. So, yeah. I was going to say, man, your pie is going to be a little stale. Let's, let's <laughs> hang tight. I know you're anxious. It's a little early. It's a little I early. know you, you absolutely love this time of year, as most uh, food professionals do. Yes, because as a food photographer, I've been celebrating uh, Thanksgiving since September. So uh, I've eaten 75 <laughs> turkeys since then, uh, and I will be making short ribs this year. So, yes, I could see that being a problem. Do you just like photo so many turkey layouts that you just don't even want to smell the magnificence that is a roasting turkey? You know, the freshly roasted turkey is never a problem. I'm happy when, the, when it comes out of the oven, slice it up. And it's good to go. The problem with having made so many turkeys between the end of the summer and now is that I've had turkey leftovers in my refrigerator for the last eight weeks. <laughs> so it's just sort of I'm tryptophaned out. I'm just like I've had it. And now it's sort of it, it, it kind of ruins that part of it for me. But that's why when we get to the actual holiday, um, I really dive in to the side dishes, which oh, yeah. we, yeah, the side dishes are definitely, I, I mean, and there were years where I ate vegetarian, so it was only side dishes, but, um, you know, of course I'm back on the Turkey and, you know, slapping my arm for that, that, for that giblet gravy. So, <laughs> so there's a tradition in, uh, in most households, I would say, uh, about talking about what you're grateful for at this time of year, the things that we're thankful for. And uh, I, I'm going to begin here uh, that this is our Thanksgiving together because um, we are th over 3,000 miles apart and we, we don't get to spend the time uh, together at a table. So this is our Thanksgiving. So I'm going to start by saying that I'm really, really thankful that I get to work with my friend John. And this year has been so exciting to kind of be able to do that and build this podcast together. So that's my, my, main, my main thrust of thankfulness around this podcast. Well, that, uh, that is lovely. Thank you very much. And yes, uh, you know what? I really should have gone first. You just completely stole all my material. Oh. That's exactly what I was going to say, except when you said John, I was going to say Andrew. All right. Well, well um, we, can, we can dub that in. But anyway, uh, so, so yes, absolutely thankful for all the same things. Uh, and of course thankful for the audience on both the podcast and um, who watch the videos online. I mean, this is, you know, it's hard to do one of these things without sounding cliche, but that really is what you're most thankful for when you have one of these type jobs uh, that people still go watch the content and, and chime in and have a good time with it. Uh, so that will always, always be um, at least professionally what I'm most thankful for uh, every year around this time. Sure. Uh, but yes, it's uh it's great to spend time with uh, friends and family, whether it's virtually or uh, or close enough to uh, to smell the cologne, as they say. <laughs> By the way, pro tip: never wear perfume or cologne to the table when you're eating a nice meal. I'm I'm with that man. Oh, don't get in the elevator with me either, because have you ever had a server come up to your table and it was so strong that you actually had to say something? Uh, not that I had to say something, but possibly have to sort of just move my body over a little bit when they when they came, you know, pretend I had to sneeze, 
something like that. Cover my face with a napkin. Speaking of cat scented candles, just reminded myself of a <laughs> semi funny story. We we went out to eat at an Italian restaurant one time, and you know, first course came, and it was just really nice and good service, a nice place. Um, the whole family was there, and then it, before the second course, the manager ran over. He's like, "Oh my god, we forgot the candles. We got these." Ne-. It was a new restaurant. They were kind of uh, they had heard I'm a quote unquote chef, mm-hmm. wanted to get my opinion on how things were going. Yeah. So he was like, "Oh no, the, I'm trying to." you know, uh, uh, you know, give you a good first impression. I never even put the candles on the table. So he runs over, he's got these candles, puts two or three on the table, lights them. And they are the strongest lavender floral, something <laughs> scented, like, like, <laughs> like he's trying to keep a certain insect away or something. Oh. And it just was like, so overpowering. So now do you instantly say something? Do you pull, like, I didn't know how to handle it. Cause if he wants my opinion on how's it going in our, you know, our soft opening here. Uh, one thing I'm going to put on the report is do not put candles that are just nauseatingly strong. <laughs> so we kind of waited till he went in the, back in the kitchen. We just subtly blew them out and uh, they didn't, I think he got the hint. He didn't relight them, mm-hmm. but they were like really strong. Anyway, going first off course of, was the citronella salad. The, the first course was an actual <laughs> salad. The second course was some kind of, uh, yeah, over the top. I think it was lavender. Lavender up your nose. So a little tip to you uh, young restaurateurs out there. No cologne or a perfume on your servers. And by all means, keep the uh, scented candles out of the restaurants. And that way you will always remain in the thankful list of those people who are visiting you. To keep it thematic here on our Thanksgiving show. So one of the things I wanted to talk about today um, surrounding our, our idea about Thanksgiving and the things that we like and dislike about, um, about the holiday, the food. Obviously, it's, it is the Super Bowl for food photographers and chefs uh, around the world. Um, and I think ultimately, uh, there are things that we love about it and there are things that kind of drive us crazy. Well, uh, let me start off with one that's kind of... Uh... Uh, is related to what we just talked about, being thankful and and telling those around you, you know, what you're thankful for. Mm-hmm. I don't know if your family has a tradition where before the meal, you go around the table and kind of everyone does a little toast or a little, uh, you know, takes a couple minutes and says what they're th- thankful for. Do you guys do anything similar yeah, to that? I, I, we have in the past. And I think that it's become, a, I wouldn't call it a, um, a lifelong tradition, but it's definitely something that we've spoken about. And especially when we've had friends. I mean, there have been years um, in New York when, especially that we've been involved with media, that we've had a lot of wayward friends that were sort of disconnected from home uh, during the holidays. So we would quite often hold a sort of wayward journalist Thanksgiving. And I would serve not only, you know, freshly made food, but also because I've been cooking Thanksgiving foods for the last three or four weeks. So we would have tons and tons of food and invite anybody who was sort of working the late shift at the paper or somebody who was sort of not going home for Thanksgiving because they were covering the story or whatever. And we would have this really great time. And I think that was the time when as a friend group, the friends giving, um, we would really start to talk about the things that we were really grateful for. And, and it was, uh, it was a nice tradition that we started when we, we started doing the Friendsgiving. Yes. And, and let me preface the re- my story here with that is a nice tradition. The only slight problem, I didn't grow up with this tradition. Okay. <laughs> so Thanksgiving for me from years 
since you know when you can remember eating things till you know leaving for California. Sure. Um, was cook food, aunts, uncles, moms, dads, cook food, put on table, eat like it's your last meal on earth. <laughs> like zero, zero preamble, right? No toast. People are already two or three drinks in by that, you know, by the time the food hits the table. And everyone is so famished and the food look is looking so good. And you look so forward to these dishes all year that there's just no waste in time. You're getting in there up to your elbows right away. Um, so that's fine. That's how I grew up. Now, the first time I did a big Thanksgiving meal with Michelle's family, um, I, of course, was uh, self, you know, uh, appointed chef de cuisine. You would think. You would think. And uh, total control freak about the holiday meals, uh, unapologetically. And so I had this, you know, big menu planned and, you know, going all out, all my favorites over the years growing up. I wanted to really put on a show. Um, so anyway, I did or thought I did. Um, and, you know, one of the big challenges, and I get probably this question more than any other Thanksgiving question. How do you coordinate all the food to get it on the table where it's all hot? And, you know, because there's only so much room in the oven and so many burners and so forth. So over the years, I've given these tips about, you know, do a couple room temperature sides, do a, do a salad that's, referred, you know, a nice, a coleslaw sounds crazy for Thanksgiving, but a delicious winter slaw, some cabbage, some, you know, some julienne apples and pears, hazelnut vinegar, like it's a really nice Thanksgiving side dish. So if you make like half your side dishes, not something to have to come right off the hot, you know, out of the stove yeah. or oven, you, 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 you do a lot better. Um, so anyway, one of the, that's always one of the big challenges. So doing this meal, big first big family meal for Michelle's uh, clan, probably eight, nine people at the table, something like that. And uh, so I got it all coordinated perfectly. Turkey's coming out this time. We got the gravy, got the set. Get it all onto the table, steaming hot. Here we go. So now I'm thinking <laughs> back to my experience growing up, people are going to just grab the fork and just stay away from everyone's, you know, chompers and we're going to go for this. Uh, but no, that's not what happens. We, uh, we're going to do now we're, uh, we're going to do a toast and we're going to go around the table saying what we're thankful for. Uh, that sounds nice. Very charming. This is going to take two or three minutes at the most. Mm -hmm. So, um, about 15 minutes later, we're through our, I think second or third, what I'm thankful for. Very beautiful, thoughtful, nothing wrong with that end of it. I just had not anticipated this, <laughs> this delay in these, in the serving of the hot food. So I don't have things like wrapped up or, you know, and I could actually, I could actually wait a few minutes and we could have done this and had cocktail hour. So anyway, by about the seventh person, you know, stuff's pretty much getting cold by now. And I'm, you know, assuming nobody cares that much and nor should they, that's really the point of the holiday is what they were celebrating. I'm the one that was like wrong. Are you anyway, sure? <laughs> no, that officially, allegedly, that was my first experience. And all right, now that I know this, we're going to change up the strategy a little bit. So in subsequent years, I ended up killing two birds with one stone. I uh, eliminated the food getting cold aspect of the going around doing the thankful toasts. And I decided, why not do a nice appetizer? like a little persimmon, like a little amuse-bouche, a persimmon salad, maybe a little pumpkin bisque, you know, just something, a little tidbit. 
everyone's usually starving by then. Nothing to uh, nothing to fill you up. Like I'm not a lunatic. I'm not going to put a big bowl of pasta on the table, <laughs> like some people I know. Uh, so anyway, what what started as uh, me like, oh my god, the food's getting cold. This is a nightmare, uh, allegedly. Um, to hey, let's make Thanksgiving even a better, fancier dinner, and we can take our time with the toast and the veins in Chef John's forehead won't be bulging quite as much by the time we start eating. Uh, and anyway, it turned into, uh, it turned into a very sort of nice tradition after that of starting with some smaller bite. And I actually passed that along because I think that's a great strategy for Thanksgiving. Sure. Because it is a stressful meal if you're, you know, if you're, uh, uh, if you're the one cooking, it's always a challenge. So why not, you know, ease into it. Don't pull, don't pull a muscle. Stretch it out, <laughs> do a little soup, a little salad, a little amuse-bouche, um, and everyone can say their piece, have a drink, and then you go and we'll bring the rest of the hot food to the table and take the stuff out of the oven and take the covers off and take the foil off and so forth. So anyway, um, I'm obviously kidding around and exaggerating somewhat, but I think that's a good thing to remember if you do have that tradition, which again, I didn't discover until later in life. Uh, but apparently many families do it. Maybe plan your toasting, your your thinking around a nice small first course. Absolutely. Saves you the trouble of being all stressed out. Saves me the trouble of staring daggers in the people as they tell their, their <laughs> thankful story very slowly. While the steam off the mashed potatoes dissipates and then there isn't any. And then it's gone. And then I was like, wait, what did you say? So you should have had a family full of food photographers because we just eat the food once it comes off the table and it's already cold. <laughs> okay. Yeah, exactly. That's another thing. Doing the videos. Uh, the next time I have one of my creations hot and delicious will be the first time. It's like, all right, hundred pictures later. Let me see what this, uh, this thing tastes like room temperature. So in your story, it was pretty clear that one of the things that drives chefs in general, but of course, our chef, our resident chef, Chef John Crazy, is uh, cold food uh, on Thanksgiving, or maybe just cold food in general. We're going to talk about what drives Chef John Crazy on Thanksgiving. So we get the special edition of what drives Chef John Crazy. So Chef John, what drives you crazy on Thanksgiving? This is the easiest question I will ever have to answer on this podcast, because every year, the exact same thing makes me go insane. And that is people sharing links, sharing recipes, sharing menu plans for low-carb, low-fat Thanksgiving <laughs> menu ideas. I don't, unless you're like on deathbed and the doctor's like, listen, I gotta, I'm going to tell you straight. You eat that gravy, you have mashed potatoes, it's all over. <laughs> We're going to read you the last word. That's going to be it. So just know this going in. Uh, and by the way, I hope that person chooses the mashed potatoes. But anyway, I don't understand. I understand eating healthy. I try to eat healthy. I know you are big on that. I am. Almost all the time. Um, what I don't understand is not being, being able to take one day, just one part of a day, and eat any darn thing you want, mashed potatoes, stuffing, gravy, high in fact put extra fat in okay but to actually eat the same specialty low cal low carb low fat whatever it is low you're doing 
I, and again, I'm with you the whole rest of the year. More yeah. power to you. As they say down south, bless your heart. Bless your heart. But, which doesn't exactly mean what it sounds like. No, it does not. But anyway, what I'm trying to get at is why am I eating mashed cauliflower on Thanksgiving? What what damage is that going to do? And I've thought about this for so many years because it's just, to me, mystifying. Now, part of it I understand, especially nowadays, the social media, everyone's trying to you know, get clicks on their, their content. Okay. I can see like fat-free gravy, revolutionary breakthrough hack. Like, okay, fine. Maybe some of it's that it's not really any, it's not really that they want you to eat low fat, low carb. They're just trying to get some traffic. I can respect that <laughs> every day I'm hustling, but is it actual, like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I cannot eat mashed potatoes. I got to think of a different side dish. Does that make any sense to you? Uh, no, I'm all for Thanksgiving gluttony. Yes. Now, the only thing I can think of and see if maybe this makes any sense at all, that if you do one of those and I can't even fathom a, a, a no carb diet or a, or, a, you know, even low fat, even worse, like low fat diet. How, how do you, how does one do that? Maybe it's if they make an exception for that day, then why not make the exception for Christmas? <laughs> now we're going down the slippery slope. And then Valentine's Day. What's a little chocolate cake going to hurt? And then your birthday. And you, what are we on? Then we're like 4th of July, we're eating hot dogs stuffed with hot dog buns, stuffed in a hot dog bun. So, you know, maybe that's the slippery slope, as you said. Yes. Um, if you make, even if it's like a massive exception for Thanksgiving, maybe you're afraid of what happens after that. Do you remember how amazing real actual mashed potatoes that aren't cauliflower and real gravy. That's not whatever those people eat for gravy. <laughs> those people, come on, John, you gotta be, you have to be more PC than that. It's okay when you're talking about food. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Food. That's not, a, that's not a protected class. <laughs> that's the only thing I can think of that would make sense. What that they just, if they make an exception for Thanksgiving and they eat a high carb, high fat meal, it, it's all over for the rest. They just all discipline is lost. The mojo's gone. Yeah, and it's back to the dark side. Yeah, I think that uh, there are plenty of things you can eat your way around the Thanksgiving table if there are certain things you would like to avoid. And of course, we're not talking about allergies or religious, even vegetarianism. Yeah, common sense. Sure, all that obviously. I'm talking about someone that can eat anything they want anytime they want. Sure, but they choose for whatever reason, not to, on Thanksgiving also. I am in favor of full-on Thanksgiving gluttony. Decadence. Yeah. Debauchery. Absolutely. Okay, good. We're on the same page. And by the way, if you're a, a fan of the podcast and you want to leave a comment, uh, Andrew, in a minute, will tell you where to do that since I always draw a blank. Um, I try not to go to any of my own social media platforms. Um, but if you have a thought about this, if you're one of these people, those people, uh, that do this and you feel like you can explain to yourself and your people, please, please enlighten me. I would like to feel not so annoyed by this when I see someone trying to come up with a, a magnificent carb-free mashed potato recipe. <laughs> well, you can do that at Chef John Pod on Instagram and Twitter, and you can reach us at our website at thechefjohnpodcast.com. And you can also reach us at our call-in line, and you can get our number there and leave us a voicemail. So there are plenty of ways to reach out 
to uh, to us at the Chef John podcast. And for the record, I knew those. I just like you. You do it so much better. Yeah, I know. It's okay. I, you know, I am second fiddle here. I, I don't want. I, I know that you're driving this bus. I'm just riding. I'm riding along. So speaking of our call-in line, John, we happen to have Logan from DC called in and had this question for you. How have you noticed food trends changing over time? Um, I mean, so before social media, do you think things moved slower? Were, were foods introduced at a slower rate? Were, you know, recipes and stuff kind of around for longer before they would move on to something else? Or has it just kind of really been the same? It's just maybe more noticeable now with social media. Uh, how have I noticed food trends changing over time? Um, you know what? I'm going to just fully admit I don't notice food trends. It is my one of my huge Achilles heels in this business. Um, I'm still not convinced there are food trends. I know there's like hmm. there's equipment trends. I don't know. I think we might have a disagreement on this one. Okay. Well, let me let me uh, let me backtrack. Uh, and make more sense of this. Uh, there's definitely trend. There's definitely things that become popular, and then they're not as popular, and they go in and out of fashion. The definition of trends. Oh, so that's a trend. Okay, so maybe my my problem isn't not knowing trends; it's not knowing what trends means. Correct. But be that as it may, I tend not to pay much attention to trends. Uh, I always get a kick every year when all the top food writers, uh, you know. Uh, show us their list of the big trends for the next year. Mm-hmm. And every single list has comfort foods on it, which I'm pretty <laughs> sure are the foods that aren't trends that we eat and love all the time because they make us feel good and remind us of comforting childhood and funny, warm and fuzzy memories. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not a big trends guy. I mean, I notice, you know, like when the air fryer came along, there was a trend to do this or that and the other thing and that. Like that's something I'll notice. Okay. Whether I call them trends or not, these newfangled ideas and new fashion, uh, they definitely happen a lot quicker nowadays because of Instagram, social media, obviously. Sure. Um, So that's like the biggest difference in this type of thing. Before you used to have to, you know, you'd have to see a magazine and go, oh, interesting. Uh, Apparently, you know, Ethiopian food is very popular now. And oh, wow, that's a really interesting looking bread. I wonder how you make that. Like things just took longer because it was just a slower absorption of information. Um, so now, of course, someone posts a cool looking picture of a, a cake made with 700 crepes. And, you know, then I guess that's a trend for a while. Okay. But I tend to, I don't know, I, they, they kind of go in one eye and out the other. Is that even a thing? It would be it would be year year. I'll see a picture and it'd be like, oh, that's interesting. That's probably a trend, but it doesn't register until like a couple of years later for whatever reason. So that's one of the running gags on on the Food Wishes videos is me doing really trendy things like three or four years later when nobody <laughs> nobody cares anymore. I have to apologize to Logan from DC. I am the worst person to ask about trends. I just tend not to pay attention to them. And I, I like I need them to be trends for a long time until they're actually no longer trends or just part of the culture. And then I'll be like, hey, let me try that. Um, in fact, one slightly embarrassing story that you may be interested in hearing. Um, I went to the Aspen Food and Wine one year uh, as a as a writer, as a blogger. Uh, but out of sheer luck, I was asked to appear on this local television broadcast uh, and they wanted just to grab a few bloggers out of the crowd and, and do a little 10 minute what's going on. 
And I was super excited. It was up on the rooftop of this fancy hotel. And, you know, as usual, I had already had a couple uh, Amstel lights, I think, to, <laughs> yeah. to grease the wheels, to yeah. loosen the pipes. Okay. And I get out and they got the camera set and the lights, camera action. And I'm super nervous. And the interviewer was like, hey, John from Food Wishes blog and Amer the American food site on about.com. Uh, what do you think of this year's food trends? <laughs> and I was like, deer in the headlights. <laughs> I was like, uh, cupcakes, uh, mini cup. I had nothing. I BS for 10 minutes. Not well either. Just total. Like, um, I think, uh, you know, I, in fact, I think I said comfort foods. Oh, wow. That's coming full circle here. Which, as you know, is a great trend every That's year. It's a great trend. It's the best. And what was worse, at this event, they had these interviews on a loop on, on one of the walls. <laughs> so there was like different, not stages, but different like food areas. And one of, the, one of the tasting rooms had, I don't know, seven, maybe six, seven people doing these. And mine came up. I had to watch it at least once. I forget if it came up again. It was brutal. People are, and so now I'm like, I should probably not be staying in this room because people are going to be like, that's the guy who doesn't know anything. Did you see that interview about the trend? So anyway, I have like a little bit of a, uh, a bad relationship with trends and trend related questions, even if they are from friends like Logan in DC. Fair enough. I'll give you one though. I'm going to give you one. Give me one. And I want to know your reaction. Okay. Plant-based diets. Wow, your timing could not be more perfect. Guess what I had for dinner last night? A plant. No. Well, indirectly, yes. <laughs> a impossible burger melt. Okay. On rye bread. Okay. With some beautiful cheese, a uh, little mayo, a little ketchup. Uh, always a trend. Ketchup's going to be big this year. Very big. Especially on fries. I hear that's going to be a huge thing. I mean, we've done a show about it. And so, yes, I, 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 think I might be a fan of plant-based. Now, do they have to be meat substitutes? Or are we just talking plant-based in general? No, I mean, I, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the impossible burger though, because it's an interesting topic. And I think that a lot of people are interested in eating that way. And uh, even though your, your burger was not vegan, it was plant-based. So we would call um, predominantly plant-based your, your meal. And uh, that's very trendy right now and hopefully becoming part of the culture. Yes. I, I'm, I'm all for cheaper uh, beef prices when there's more available. <laughs> so I really am I'm a huge proponent of this. I hope everyone stops eating meat, especially oxtails. Why are oxtails $10 a pound? They're so heavy. People <laughs> stop, stop eating oxtails. You know where that tail's been? Please don't eat those. Go plant-based. What's the equivalent plant-based oxtail carrot, I guess? Uh, probably. Yeah. Put a few carrots together. Yeah. So anyway, no, I'm, I'm a fan of that. I know it's good for, uh, you know, the environment and, and so forth. Um, but for me, it's all about if it tastes good. I don't care if it's a plant, an animal, even a mineral occasionally. If it's tasty, I say we eat it uh, and, uh, and we go from there. Rock on. So as we're coming toward the end here, John, since we're spending our Thanksgiving together here on our podcast, I want to know what's your favorite thing to eat at Thanksgiving. Well, this is this is a tough one. Um, and uh, not that I was reading your mind, but I, I kind of guess this might be something you asked. <laughs> and I could not decide between mashed potato gravy and stuffing. 
Mm. also known as dressing. Dressing. Mm -hmm. Some people are confused about this. It's stuffing if it's stuffed into the thing. Dressing if it's on the side. Um, But you know what? I'm going to go with dressing also with gravy on it. And the reason is I have mashed potatoes like maybe conservatively 175 times a year. (laughs) And that is not an exaggeration for comic effect. In fact, if you ask Michelle, that's probably conservative. Wow. At least 175 days out of the year, I will have some form of mashed potato. So do, do your mashed potatoes have to be like traditional butter, cream, or can they have like borson cheese or like other things? Oh, no, that- all kinds of crazy variations. Okay, so it doesn't matter. Not too long ago, I mashed some, I mashed some kimchi into some potato just for fun. And? And it was fantastic. Interesting. All right. So I, I eat mashed potatoes a lot. They never are not special to me, but I felt like weird picking that as my top Thanksgiving dish because I have it so often. What I don't have all year, and I'm not sure why, is stuffing slash dressing, especially when it gets all crusty and those caramelized edges where the, where the butter just sort of bubbles up against the edge of the pan and you get those onions that get a little maybe too dark, but it's just perfect. And then you you soak it with that gravy, and it is just magical experience. Like when you make it on the flat top at the racetrack. <laughs> yes. Yes, like <laughs> when you launch your, your career, your desperate attempt to get out of the dish room by making literally stovetop stuffing, grilled top stuffing. If I had to pick one, very tough to pick, but a nice portion of crusty on the outside Moist and tender on the inside, dressing with a nice homemade gravy, of course. That is really hard to beat. And whenever I eat it, I'm I think to myself, why don't we should make this next week? But we never do. Why don't why isn't dressing slash stuffing a regular side dish in our culture? Well, I mean, it keeps it special. That's part of it. It's it, you have it once a year, it, it it's that much more special. If you do make it and serve it the rest of the year, you know what you have to call it though. Uh, no. Savory bread pudding. (laughs) That's the quote unquote foodie terminology for that. You know what I think? I think our audience will be really happy to know that with all your cooking experience and all the recipes you've done and all of the different things that you've done, you've remained a traditionalist on Thanksgiving. Oh yes. Very much so. Very much so. Little things get tweaked. Like I said, I like to do a, you know, a first course, maybe a little winter slaw, winter salad. Mm -hmm. One year it's persimmon, maybe another year it's apple. No, you so you know you mix things up a little bit, but for the the cornerstone dishes, the you know the the Mount Rushmore of your <laughs> Thanksgiving menu, um, you you got to kind of stay, I think, fairly traditional. I like the mashed um, yams with the marshmallows and the crumble top because that's something you only I only would get on at Thanksgiving. And it's something I always looked forward to. And it's the, the balance of all that savory food and that one sweet dish. That's something I really love. I'm sorry. Back up a second. Did you say the yams with the little marshmallows melted on top? I did. All right. Sorry. I, just, I literally blocked out for a second because that is by far my least favorite, <laughs> most horrifying. In fact, oh. if that ever becomes a trend. I'm going to leave the country. No. Well, here's the, here's the thing. If you want to put that out with the pies, 
in in the in the in the pea campaign the ice feel free but when you put out a, a side dish that's in a savory meal that's twice maybe three times sweeter than your sweetest dessert <laughs> i cannot abide by that at all, all right okay i respect your ability your freedom to eat it um but if i ever happen to show up for thanksgiving do me a favor that one year don't serve the and by the way you know a little fun fact for our audience what's that there's no such thing as yams in america right they're sweet potatoes they're a little just marketed uh, orange sweet potatoes are like you know what call those yams we'll sell a few extra okay if you ever saw a real yam it's the size of like the upper half of your body no it's huge and like 50 pounds yeah yeah i got yelled at one time we worked on a story for the times and they we called it yams and we got people in the comment section telling us yams is what we feed our horses so yeah people take that seriously okay so if you agree with chef john on this issue uh, please weigh in in the comment sections or on Twitter and let us know if you like my idea of what's uh, a special Thanksgiving side dish and what Chef John is the traditionalist with his mashed potatoes. Uh, and I love mashed potatoes as well. I will have them both on the same plate, but he clearly is offended. At least pipe a meringue on there and like at least, <laughs> at least we can <laughs> pretend it's culinarily appropriate. All right. You know what? This is a great point, though. If you like it, it's it's correct. It's appropriate and it's right. That's the best thing about the food business. Everybody's right and everybody's wrong. And you can't prove either way. You just, there's no way to convince someone that marshmallows on yams, that ooh, someone that likes that, that that's not a one of the greatest things ever. And you'll <laughs> never be able in a million years to convince me to even take a bite of that. Uh, unless again, it's presented as part of a dessert course. And I guess you're being ironic or something. So uh, that's uh, that. We'll leave it with that. Uh, don't judge other people's tastes. Whatever your favorite thing is to eat, that is somebody somewhere's least favorite thing ever. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Let's wrap up today our Thanksgiving together with what did we learn today, John? Well, I think what we learned is if you do have the family tradition of going around the table and saying what you're thankful for and doing long, long, thoughtful toasts, maybe start with a nice cold first course of mousse-bouche, takes the pressure off the chef, lets everyone settle into their seats, everyone can put their phones down, check the last of their Instagrams. And uh, so I think that's always a good approach. Okay. Uh, I think we also learned, and it was very clear, if you want to know about trends, don't ask Chef John. Okay. I mean, he won't know. He'll start talking in the third person. It's not going <laughs> to, he's not going to, he's not going to know what to say. Okay. Uh, especially if he's being interviewed in Aspen after a couple of beers at a high altitude. Yes. And freezes and, and just mumbles for 10 minutes. And then they put it on a giant wall. And what else did we learn? We learned that Andrews, was it your favorite? I really, I seriously blacked out. I just stopped listening. It, it's 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 like the thing I look forward to. It's the one dish, like Thanksgiving dish, that I really look forward. A marshmallow, to. like the little, the ones on yeah, the hot cocoa, yeah. the same. Toasted on top, yeah. You put in right. the broiler. So we learned, yeah, we learned that, whatever that is. Um, and what else did we learn? I think that's it. We learned we're thankful for our audience and each other, but that's a that's a no brainer. <laughs> no, what? We, but the most the most important thing that we learned today, John, you forgot already. You hate low fat anything on Thanksgiving. Well, yeah, that that 
I, 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 I don't know if the, the audience learned anything from that because <laughs> if someone's doing, you know, the, the, the keto gurus cauliflower mash, that's even better than real mash allegedly. Um, I don't think they're going to, they're going to learn from my, my diatribe that they shouldn't be eating that. So um, now they did learn that I think it's just a, a crime against nature. So I guess we'll leave it at that. Okay. So if you learned, if you learned that, great. Uh, if I changed your mind and you were going to do low fat, low carb, let us know. I will totally take credit. Uh, but otherwise, uh, I think that's all we learned, which, which, by the way, is plenty for a free podcast. Absolutely. It's a lot. It's pretty good. All right. Anyway, say thank you, Andrew. Oh, I guess it is Thanksgiving. So I will say thank you. And say good night. Thank you, Andrew. Good night. Good night.